If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Well, Ed, here we are sitting out in the piney woods once again. With the changing trees. Yes, yes. The, it's September, and uh, September is you know, fantastic time here. And so you can kind of see the first little hints of the trees changing, and there's a blue sky and the wind whispering through the pines. And we're talking about doing a fire pit. We're talking about, yeah, doing fire pit. And I actually had a, a listener who said, well, how much would it cost? Because we had alluded that if people uh, were to contribute Right. To the Considering Catholicism podcast, there would be like levels of contribution. Right. And that like maybe like the one of the higher tiers that you could come out to the secret compound here. Right. And fire pit with us while we record an episode. Well, that'd be fun. Yeah. But I mean, we'd have to attach like a tier of, and they want to know how much that, that would be. We'd have to factor in the cost of the graham crackers and the... In the marshmallows. Oh, I, I'm and, happy and, to throw that in. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. But 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 it just I, I just kind of feel like that's a premium, right? Um, that, that that's a premium thing, and so because uh, we'd also be giving away the location, right? So then there would be the whole swearing to secrecy and the threats and all that. Yeah. Well, we'd have to meet them at some location like five miles away from here right. and put like a like they do with the movies <laughs> or something where they have like a, a blindfold or a bag over their head right. or whatever and they drive them out there so they can't and we drive around in like random circles first so that they right. they would not be able to sort of remember where this is I'm but, liking this more and more I, I do so any of you who would would like to uh, contribute an exorbitant contribution to the podcast and uh, be met at a you know supermarket parking lot only have a bag put over your head driven around for an hour and arrive at the secret compound where you could enjoy a fire pit while we record an episode right uh, write us in right yeah (laughs) if we can make money for that to support this thing by putting bags over heels heads and driving them around i'm I'm in i'm totally all the better right now the other thing that's going on here is that you are like deathly ill so as we talk about this, as you hear the pines, you know, whistle and all this right. kind of business, you're also going to hear Ed like hacking out a lung. Right. Like, like he said, like exact tuberculosis or something. Right. My doctor Do tells me- Do you have me, tuberculosis? I don't. I don't. My doctor tells me I just have to wait this out. You know, it's the, it's, yeah, it is what it is. Except the fun part of this for me has been that as I lay in bed at night, I can, I can hear it wheezing in my throat and I hear like- the other, the other night I heard it going, I'm a musician, so it goes, I was heard, I heard these two notes that were a, a whole step apart going back and forth, and I, th- they, I thought they were maybe a G and an A, but I wasn't sure. And, oh, my uh, So occasionally you I were, will... But you were telling me about a goofy dream you had where you were coughing in some numerical sequence. Yeah, I had, I had a fever, and I wasn't aware that I had a fever. It was the middle of the night, and I kept thinking, if only I could get my coughing into, the coughs into numerical order and get them in the right order, I would stop coughing. And I, when I, I got up in the morning, and I was still thinking it, and after I sat in the chair for a while, this is like three weeks ago, I thought, maybe that's not right, and I have a fever. Uh. But it was, it was, if I stood back from it, 
it was kind of interesting. It, it, that is kind of interesting. You know? you know, I saw somebody say the other day uh, on Twitter, they were like, if we use our cell phones all day long, how can we never dream about our cell phones? I never do. No, I've never had a dream about my cell phone. I don't think I have. I've had a dream about it, almost everything else, but not my cell phone. Right. There's some deep meaning there that we'll have to ponder, right. perhaps by the fire pit, and somebody could join us to do that if they want to, you know, put on the right. blindfold and all. They'll, that. And, they'll, and they'll be all disillusioned because they'll find out that we're just sitting around talking about, you know, <laughs> stuff, stuff, like, stuff like that, stuff like that. For, <laughs> right? It's not really deep thought. In fact, when you and I got out here today, I was saying that I'm I'm looking for a pair of shoes that I don't have to tie right. because I'm trying to manage my energy better. And I told my wife, if I don't waste energy tying my shoes, I can redirect that energy into thinking deep thoughts. Right. And, and that turned into a 10-minute conversation about uh, us uh, managing our energy and, at our age and, you know. Well, anyway. anyway. <clears throat> All right. Today's topic is you had something that you wanted to, to bring up. Yes. In, we're, we're skating up on Halloween. Yeah, but so that's like six weeks away. But right. we're going to get ahead of this because every year this comes up. Right. And we just had, in the trailer park north of here, a little ways, we just had Halloween in September. They do Halloween things. So we we decorated the uh, porch of our little place, and uh, I put a TV out there and played Young Frankenstein on it, uh-huh. on a loop. And we gave things away and candy and stuff. And and a, friend, a mutual friend of ours, was I was talking to him about it at breakfast. And we were talking about whether Halloween is a good thing or a bad thing. And, you know, all my life I have thought of Halloween as this sort of pagan thing that crept into Christianity and, and yeah, it's harmless if the kids go out and trick-or-treat and, and all of that and wear pirate costumes or whatever. But I always had this secret suspicion that the Catholic Church, this was their doing and that they had co-opted some pagan ritual or holiday and it always made me a little uneasy and I thought well us Protestants you know we're we're doing that right you know uh, yeah okay so again every year like my whole ministry career this comes up like what about Halloween what about Halloween what about Halloween so it's time for well we've not had like an annual Halloween episode but it's time for the annual no. conversation about Halloween which we're going to have you know on this episode right So let's talk about, I think, three things about that. First of all, let's just, we'll start off by talking about, is it okay to celebrate Halloween or let your kids celebrate Halloween or let kids come up to your door and give them candy and, you know, right? Right. Is it okay to participate in this thing? So we'll we'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the origins of Halloween and some of the mythology around the origins of Halloween because... There's this kind of blood libel like thing about how the Catholic Church adopted pagan Celtic rituals and, you know, and right. it's whatever. And that's where the origins of Halloween are. And that really comes from some like kind of strange Protestant sort of projection onto the Catholic Church about right. that. And then I'd like to kind of end by talking about that same sort of principle applied to some other holidays because that same principle that the Catholic Church basically glommed on to pagan rituals that gets applied to uh, Easter yep, Christmas. and Christmas and some other things. Sure. And, and, and I want to talk about this, this sort of notion that Catholicism somehow uh, invented all of its feast days and stuff to, to kind of glom on or borrow or like I, I watch, piggyback on. I watch uh, 
pagan Celtic stuff. Uh, pictures of Mardi Gras every year, and I think, look at those Catholics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So let's, yeah. let's just, let's start, like I said, let's start with the, you know, is it okay to participate, you know, in 2023 or whatever in America? And then you said you had a funny Halloween story, and I have a, a heart-wrenching Halloween story. Okay. Well, I'll, we'll, I'll get to those later. Yeah, actually, I actually have like m- many funny Halloween stories, but only one that I think I probably can tell on, okay. <clears throat> on here. And later I can tell you the others by the fire pit. But, but right, okay, so this was right after I got out of seminary, and I was pastoring this church in California. So I was a young guy, and I had young kids, and we had some people in the church that were, I'm trying to think the right word, they were evangelicals, and they kind of had, I mean, they're good people. I mean, none of this is like to criticize right. them, but I'm trying to sort of describe the mindset. But there's sort of a fundamentalist streak sure. to it, like, you know, Bible only, you know, what right. the Bible says, and if it's not in the Bible, blah, 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 and everything is suspect. And, of course, they really didn't like Catholicism because that's not in the Bible. And So, anyway, it's like this time of year, we're approaching Halloween, and I made some comment from the front of church one Sunday, like during the announcements or maybe during the sermon or something. I said something about how my kids were looking forward to Halloween next week or something and trick-or-treating. So this lady comes up to me after church during like the coffee time. It was like in California. So there was like this outdoor courtyard. It was right. kind of cool. And we were like standing out there. And she's like extremely concerned that I would allow my children to go trick-or-treating and to participate, you know, in Halloween. And I was like, I, well, I, don't, I don't understand what... And she's like, well, it's full of all this magical magical beings and, and demonic beings with magical powers that are right. you're celebrating. And I said, my, and my son was like four at the time. I go, he's going as Superman. Right. This is what she says to me standing in the courtyard. She goes, huh, well... Where does Superman get his superpowers? Hmm. And I said, well, from our yellow sun. You see, Superman is from the planet Krypton. And the nearer he draws to our yellow sun, it increases his, the, you know, the molecular density right. and you know, so forth and gives him his powers. I'm, haven't you ever, like, don't you know anything about Superman? He doesn't have magical powers. It's just, you know, and right. anyway. So it's like, you know. Proud I, to be your friend right now. Yeah, right. I'm like, and she's like, well, ah, you yeah. know, it wasn't from Satan or something like that. It's, no. it's the yellow sun. Yeah, right. Right. You know, right. that's what happens when, you know. So anyway, you know, my kids dressed up as, and, and we did, in all seriousness, we, we've always had rules in our home. It was a Christian home. The kids could never be anything, well, I said scary. Right. But nothing magical, scary, demonic, nothing right. with death or right. ghosts or any of the, you know, cultic or anything right. else. I mean, my kid, one year, you know, he was Superman. He was a football player. One year he was like a construction guy. You know, my daughter would be a princess or, you know, I think one year she would dress up like as a puppy or a cat right. or something like that. Right. And so if, if the question is, and let's frame it this way, that you can have a sort of community event where children dress up and pantomime and fun right. 
costumes or outfits and and come to their neighbors and get candy right it's it's sort of hard to figure out what about that is morally wrong right now there is a very dark side to secular halloween let's not deny that right because the secular world has imbued it with occultic meaning right and that's a very very dark thing and i i personally like i don't watch horror movies yeah me neither i don't think i've ever watched a horror movie i won't allow them to be on my television i won't allow that stuff i want to say really clearly as a christian as a catholic i very much believe in the demonic sure i very much believe in demonic powers and the occult i take that very seriously and I've never allowed that into my home. I won't let that into my life. I won't watch that stuff. I won't participate with those things. I certainly wouldn't allow my children to dress up. I think one time in my life, when I was in college, a couple of the guys in my dorm or something, we went to one of these like haunted house things that get yeah, set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I remember finding it just really disturbing because it was all like death and gore yeah. and blood, occultic things and demonic things. Yep. And I'll tell you, you do open the door to those things in your life. Right. And so the issue is there is a sort of secular meaning to Halloween in America, at least, right? Mm-hmm. And that secular cultic celebration right. is something that we should absolutely shut the door to. But one of the things, and we'll get to this in a minute when we start talking about the relationship of Christians to pagan holidays, is that we can appropriate things that are secular and make them wholesome. And and in some ways, that's allowing Christ to conquer the world. We believe that Christ does conquer and claim the world. He is king. And there's something glorious about it. Christ taking things and redeeming them and conquering and and making something that is dark in the world holy and good. Right. One of the things a lot of churches have done is do this, like, you know, they're like a fall festival thing where the kids can come and participate and get candy and all that. And really, in a sense, that's what the church and Christians have done for a long time is taking things that the world has that that are bad things and redeeming them and making them wholesome so there is a secular holiday that either has a dark occultic meaning which christians should have nothing to do with but by that same token look at all the other unwholesome dark wicked pagan things that take place in our culture that just feels demonic to right. me it feels behind it are demonic forces that are bringing chaos and confusion and, and destroying people's lives. And whether those are things of a secular or, of a, excuse me, of a breaking down sexuality as God right. created it, whether those are tributes to violence or materialism or right. a thousand other things. And we're surrounded by a very dark culture. And we are called to be light in the darkness. We are called to be salt that preserves this world. We are called to be a city on the hill and shine our light. So I do think that 
where we can claim and redeem things to be wholesome, we, we do that. Right. And so there is this thing out there that's called Halloween, and it can either be a dark thing or you can redeem that within your life and your community. Mm-hmm. But I think you've got to be very careful with your children about allowing them to participate in the things that the pagans participate in, so to speak. Right. There's this, there's this constant drumbeat of normalizing demonic things cartoons with witches and demons and and they're all just oh they're just like us and oh it's just all happy and little kid little kid stuff right or adult movies where that stuff is portrayed as being just an alternative that stuff is pretty insidious well i guess okay i I don't care what people think and if you don't like it then don't listen to the podcast when i look at the drag queen things where they're sitting in front of children and some of these drag queens dressing off horns and this kind of weird yeah. demonic thing. Yeah. And there's some guy dressed in some kind of bizarre right. demonic thing with devil's horns and a dress right. and a whatever weird thing. And he's shaking his butt and right. exposing his <coughs> junk in front of children. Right. And, and there are moms bringing their children to be exposed to this. Right. I'm sorry. That looks just that looks demonic to me. Right, I agree. Uh, and so we're surrounded by a pagan world that's influenced by demons. There's filth yep. in our world on a lot of different levels and in a lot of different forms. But but I do think that Christ calls us to conquer, or Christ conquers, and He calls us to to follow in His conquering and to to, to follow up on that. And I think that's where we can redeem parts of our culture and take them back. And say, you know what? There is a sort of a space that we can create that's wholesome, where children are able to dress up in fun outfits, like a cat or a, a princess or a superhero or whatever, right? A cowboy, and walk up and down the street. I mean, I love when the kids come to our door. Right. You know, I love. I mean, that's one of my favorite nights of the year is to sit there and hand out the candy and, yep. and say hi to the neighborhood kids. I think it's just. I think it's a wonderful, wholesome thing. We happen to live in a very nice neighborhood in terms of nice neighbors right. and very wholesome and safe and all that. And it's fun to see all the little kids come up to the door and you know ask them what you know what are you dressed as and give them a little baby Snickers bar. You know, then I close the door and it's like one for them and right, right, one for me. Right. <laughs> you know, I end up eating half the bag. But you know, right, like. I think that's a wonderful thing, and I think that is uh, redeeming and reclaiming something that's negative. So, do I think that it's wrong for us to participate in Halloween? No, if what we do is we reclaim and redeem that holiday and make it something wholesome. Okay? But I do think that we should be very cautious about ourselves or our children participating in the sort of pagan, cultic, and morally filthy aspects of this. Yep, that open totally the doors agree. to the demonic. And I think you just have to decide to draw those boundaries and uh, not allow those aspects of this thing to, to right. be part of your life. Now, like I said, that I think raises a couple of other issues. And so I want to turn to this whole thing about the origins of Halloween. Yep. So I said at the beginning that there's this kind of blood libel, this bizarre sort of origin story that some Protestants or fundamentalists, evangelicals, will tell about the origins of Halloween in the Catholic Church. Yep. Here's how the story goes in some version of this myth, that the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages adopted these Celtic festivals 
I think this one was, I think, Samhain or something like that, which is like this fall Celtic festival where there's occultic things and the demonic and supernatural. And the Catholic Church sort of glommed on to that and created this thing called All Souls Day and All Saints Day because the church was just incorporating all of these Celtic festivals in the Middle Ages. Well... You know, the problem with that story is it's just not true. Right? Yeah. And it's kind of easily proven to be not true and, and a little bit ridiculous. And I'll get to Easter in a second because the same story is told about Easter. But let's start with Halloween. Yep. So the Catholic Church does have two feast days. Okay. Yep. Right. Yep. And we've talked about feast days before. These are, you know, holy days. We never have feast days in the Protestant world. So, no, I'm, you, you know, I'm, I'm motivated here. So what we mean by a feast day, right, is it's a liturgical celebration. So it's a day where there's a special mass right. for that day. And there are two of them. On November 1, we have All Saints Day. And on November 2, we have All Souls Day. Okay. Okay. All Saints on November 1 and All Souls on November 2. And All Saints Day, actually not only is it a feast day where there's a special mass, but it's a, a holy day of obligation. So mm. I think we've talked before about that there are certain days on the liturgical calendar, in, including Christmas and Easter and a few others, that are considered holy days of obligation. Mm-hmm. That as a Catholic, you are obligated to attend that mass Obviously, if, you know, circumstances, you're in a hospital or something, you know, you can't. But that, that is a, a, an obligation. Now, All Saints Day, like I said, November 1. And we've talked in the past before about vigil masses. You remember? So here's what a vigil mass is, like Christmas vigil or Easter vigil. Mm-hmm. And that is the day in the ancient times, you would count the day ending at sunset. Right. And once the sun sets, sort of the next day has begun. Like, right. we say the day begins at 12.01 a.m. Right. Right, kind of like in the middle of the night. But in ancient times, they said, well, once the sun goes down, it is now the end of this day, and it's the beginning of the next. So the day begins with dark and ends with... Right. Right? right. This is a little bit of... We've talked in the past before about some of the confusion about Jesus in the grave for three days. Right. Right? And how you counted days. So in the Catholic Church, once the sun goes down, you can have what's called a vigil mass. And this happens every Saturday. So when you go to a Catholic church and you have, say, a Saturday night service, I know we've talked about this in some episodes. Yeah, we have, we have. The Saturday night service is actually, it's actually a Sunday service just held in the dark hours. Do you know what I'm saying? Do they, does the church actually wait until dark to do this? Yeah, because in an, this is an ancient thing. Like okay. it goes back to the time of Christ, right? I mean, that was how the ancients sort of counted it in the ancient world. And so you would say that in in that context, that once the sun goes down on Saturday, at least liturgically, right, Sunday has begun. So when you have a mass on Saturday night after sunset. It is technically the first Mass of Sunday. So, like, for example, our parish, we have a Saturday evening Mass, and then we have two on Sunday morning. But they're they're all really Sunday Masses, if that makes sense. Right, and you've met your obligation if yes. any one of them. 
Yeah. So if I go to the Saturday night mass, in a sense, I have attended Sunday mass because I've attended it in the dark hours of right. Sunday. Yeah, Does, I understand. That, okay. Sure. Right. Okay. So this whole concept of vigil mass. So the All Saints Mass, which is a holy day of obligation, All Saints Feast Day, if you had an All Saints Mass on November 1, you would have a vigil mass for All Saints during the night of October 31. Okay. Right? Yep. It would be the All Saints Vigil Mass that night for All Saints Day Right. You with me? Yep. Now, the Latin word for saint, okay, is sanctus. S-A-N-C-T-U-S, right? Right. Sanctus. Sanctified. Yep. Right? But in the Germanic languages, the word sanctus was hollow. Oh. Okay? So, for example, you think sometimes this persists in English a little bit when you talk about something is hallowed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That means it has been sanctified. So what happened is Halloween was sort of the rendering of the ancient Greek and Roman notion of All Saints Eve, All Hallows Eve. Okay. Is All Saints. The, it's the vigil of All Saints. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the night before All Saints Day from ancient times and not just in the Celtic lands or Germanic lands, but this goes back to the early church in Asia Minor and the Eastern Mediterranean when they began to celebrate All Saints, they said, well, you know, the night before is the vigil of All Saints. And so we begin to enter into that celebration. Right. So it was not invented by the Celts. It really goes back to the ancient Roman and Greek church of the early okay. centuries. And, and now, what is All Saints? So All Saints Day is the day that it was originally focused on the martyrs. So in the ancient early church, it's the, the mass where we celebrate the Christian martyrs. But it became the Christian saints, in other words, those who have died and gone to heaven. So martyrs, apostles, saints, people, whether known or unknown, right? So we know certain saints. We know St. Peter, St. John, St. whatever, right? And we know the great martyrs who suffer. But there's also, of course, the saints, those who died and are in heaven, who we don't know their names necessarily. They're not famous. But on All Saints Day, we basically look to the saints in heaven. And okay. we, we celebrate them and pray to them to pray for us. Okay? Right. So all the gathered saints in it, that's what All Saints Day is. It's a mass to pray for and to ask for the intercession of all the saints in heaven. Okay. All Souls Day is the next day. There's also a mass for that. All Souls Day is to remember the departed dead who have not yet achieved heaven. So it's basically the souls in purgatory. Okay. Right? So it's those departed Christians who have not yet attained heaven, and we have a mass to pray for them. Okay. So if you go to your Catholic parish on all souls, there's all times a, quote, book of the dead that gets put out. And basically what it is, you go write down the name of your grandmother or the name of your whatever. And it's basically pray for my grandmother, pray for my—so all of those who, right, 
have passed that we pray for for them and we pray for them to continue their journey we've talked about this before right. in other yep. episodes to continue their journey to perfection in god that's what all saints and all souls are so it's a two-day thing it really becomes kind of a three-day trifecta or hat trick because you have all saints all souls and then you have this all saints eve which when it got up into northern europe was simply translated into the language there as all hallows eve mm-hmm. i.e halloween okay so the church did not come up in sometime in the middle ages see the celtic holiday of samhain or something and decide to construct some kind of weird catholic ritual to, right. to glom onto it right this was an ancient celebration going back to the you know, second, third century from the Eastern Mediterranean that the church has always celebrated the departed and celebrated those souls in heaven and in purgatory right. that are continuing and had a mass for them. And, and when it got up to Northern Europe, it took on this name. Now, were there Celtic ceremonies, right? Cultic, pagan, cultic ceremonies that occurred in the fall that were fall festivals. Of course. When you look at the ancient peoples that were largely agrarian, a lot of their festivals revolved around things like equinoxes and solstices, right? I mean, seasonal things. Every culture in the world has probably had a fall festival, a midsummer festival, right? There's nothing special about that. But they did have these fall festivals. But here's the important point. Rather than the Catholic Church sort of attaching or inventing this to glom onto that, what ended up, ended up happening or has happened is that those things have glommed onto the church's celebration. So over time, those kind of occultic meanings glommed onto what is really the wholesome yeah. celebration and prayers for the departed saints in right. heaven. Right. And so it has taken on a dark meaning in our culture as it the, the sort of dark and pagan forces have, have sort of tried to co-opt and take right. over. The other way around. They're co-opting. Yeah, it's, right. they're co-opting this rather than the church co-opting or glomming onto a pagan festival. Does yep. that make sense? It does. So let me just say, because I talked about Easter, you hear the same sort of thing about Easter. There's this myth floating around out there that somehow the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages glommed onto some Germanic festival to the goddess of Ooster or something and invented Easter. And, and this is like genuinely one of the dumbest things <laughs> that anybody could say or think. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but this is really one of the genuinely dumbest things you can say. So let me tell you where the origins of Easter are. Jesus rose on the third day right. on the year where Passover fell on a Friday. Yep. And when was that? It was, well, in the spring. You know why? Because Passover, the Jewish Passover is in the spring because the Jewish Passover is an astronomical holiday. It falls on the whatever day of the month of Nisan, right? right? Determined by the lunar phases and all that. And so we know that Jesus died, was executed on Passover and rose on the third day afterwards in the spring. And it's a floating holiday because it's an astronomical thing tied to the moon phases and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So first of all, the church did not invent the celebration of Christ rising because in the year 1000, they encountered weird pagan Germanic 
spring festivals to Easter. The church started celebrating Jesus rising like the week Jesus rose. Right. And from the beginning, and they celebrated it and when in the year they did because, you know, that's when it happened. Right. Secondly, the whole name Ooster and that the church sort of attached Ooster to it is also like really dumb because the church never called Easter Easter. So in Greek and Latin, it's Pascha. Paschal lamb, right? Remember Jesus, like the Paschal lamb that was sacrificed? Mm-hmm. So Paschal lamb, that was tied to the Jewish Passover. Okay. And the holiday from ancient times, and in certain parts of Europe where the languages are still Romance languages, they don't call Easter Easter. They call the festival Pascha hmm. or Paschal. It's, it's the Paschal festival. It's only Easter is an English term. And if that English word was used to describe the ancient Christian Paschal festival tied to the Jewish Passover and the rising of Christ after that Passover, then that is an importation of some English word onto the most ancient of Christian festivals or feasts or celebrations or liturgies. So the church didn't invent Easter to glom onto some Celtic or Germanic pagan thing. That's just dumb. It's easy to think that these holidays and the names and the rituals that surround them sprung up fully formed, but they didn't. These things have grown and changed and cultures have done things with them and, you know. Well, part of this, like I said, I called it blood libel, comes out of this period in history after the Reformation where particularly in England, the Church of England was very invested in slandering the Catholic Church, right? right? And so it invented all of these strange stories. It goes back to the episode where we talked about your friends asking whether Catholicism is sort of spooky and creepy and mystical. And part of that came out of this period where in English and American history, you tried to suggest that Catholicism is something so you know they've got strange rituals with guys in robes that were all had their origins in strange pagan magical rituals rather than rather than a sort of rational you know clean you know whatever but the church came into parts of the world where there was paganism and it brought these things and then, right. to some degree or another, it was never that the church glommed on. It was always the other way around, that the, the pagan things began to glom onto the church holidays. And I'll give you two examples. The first is the Mexican Day of the Dead. Okay. Have you ever seen this? Like, yeah, it's, it's sort of weird. To, it looks weird to Americans. You know, like they have all the skulls and the skull candy. And, right. Right. And, and, and like Americans are like, this is just super creepy. And they'll say, wow, this is Catholicism and this right, super creepy right. thing. So the Day of the Dead is actually a pretty interesting example of that. So when the missionaries brought Catholicism to Mexico, they brought All Saints Day and All Souls Day. So yep. we're going to celebrate the saints in heaven. We're going to celebrate the souls in purgatory. Those feast days were well established by the 1500s, right? Obviously. Well, The Aztecs and Mayans also had 
celebrations of the dead. Because almost every culture from right. the beginning of time has celebrated like the harvest and right. the spring and midsummer. Every and year mid-year. when the when the when I realize that the sun is actually gonna start coming back I say, I think, oh, I understand the impulse to, to sacrifice a small woodland animal, you know, because I, I really, I really want that to happen. Well, I'm just saying, right? I mean, when you're tied to the seasons, every culture around the world from the dawn of time has right. had, you know, these kinds of seasonal celebrations and imbued whatever their meaning is into it. And in the same way that it's a very natural impulse for most civilizations and cultures to commemorate the dead, whether you build a pyramid over them, like. Right. Egyptians or, you know, the Mayans and, right. the, and the Aztecs or whatever. The ancient peoples in Mexico had their own celebrations of that. So here's what happens. The Spanish missionaries come to Mexico and they bring All Saints, All Souls, which is a very ancient Eastern Mediterranean, ancient Christian celebration of right. the, 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 the saints and the souls, as I explained. Now, the Mayans and Aztecs already have these sort of pagan right. celebrations of the dead. And what ends up happening is those get glommed onto right. those Catholic days on right. November 1, November 2, which is when the Day of the Dead occurs. Right. So it occurs a coincidental of that. And there's elements, and I'm not an expert in this, and you know, and I understand how important it is, but it's a syncretized thing in Mexican, particularly Mexican culture, where those sort of ancient Mexican folk religion got imported onto Catholicism rather than the sort of Protestant slander that Catholicism glommed onto those things right. and invented these holidays. Other way around. Yeah, it's the other way around. Let me give you another one. Mardi Gras. So Mardi Gras is the day before Ash Wednesday. So Ash Wednesday, right, the beginning of Lent, is a very holy thing. It begins the time of Lent right. where we prepare ourselves for Christ's death and resurrection. And so people, maybe, if you're not Catholic, you've seen Catholics get the little yep. ashes on their forehead, and that's a time when we begin Lent, which is a time of prayer and you know, repentance and all these kinds of things, and fasting or whatever. People give stuff up yep. for Lent or whatever. Well, what you ended up having was people inventing this whole Fat Tuesday thing. Now, let's be clear. The church does not... The Catholic church doesn't have a, a feast day or a liturgy for Fat Tuesday. Right. Right? That's like cultural, Catholic, right? It's, that's yeah. a cultural thing where people in those cultures said, oh, wow, tomorrow's Ash Wednesday, so I'm going to party like it's right, right. like it's Fat Tuesday right. today, and I'm going to go out there. And then you look at these Mardi Gras celebrations in some parts of the world, and they're just out of control, right. you know, sexually, right. cultic things, just horrible. We have to hurry up and do bad things because tomorrow we have to stop. Right. Now- that's not a Catholic thing. That right. is that is secular pagan reaction or glomming on to right. what is a very beautiful Catholic celebration. So in all of these things, the church's feast days and holidays and the liturgical year is very structured around scripture and history and these things and deeply holy and ancient. As it has encountered cultures, it is cultures that have reacted to sure. the church's liturgy rather than the church inventing its liturgical year around paganism. So my, I guess at the end of the day, we start with this thing about Halloween is, number one, my advice to everybody is, if you want to take your kids trick-or-treating or you want to have kids trick-or-treat at the door or you want to decorate your... 
like I've never put scary, ghosty, right. occultic things in our house. I always carved pumpkins, but I always carved like smiling, happy pumpkins right. and kitty cats. We did and, that one year at your house. You yeah. and I. You came over, yeah. We we carved fun pumpkins and and so we've never put dark, occultic, scary things in our house. Right. We've always made our house actually on Halloween when kids come to the door look very bright and cheerful. Right. And you know, come up to the bright, cheerful porch and I'm happy to give you a, one little Snickers bar for you right. and one yeah. for me. Right. And and the kids dress in, in wholesome things and it's just kind of a neighborhood fun celebration of that. But the next day I it's a whole day of obligation. I go to All Saints Mass. Right. And then I go to All Souls Mass. And so I celebrate the church, and I also participate in my community in wholesome ways. If the culture around us, the pagan culture around us, is going to turn things dark and negative and evil and glom right. on to the church's liturgical year, then I certainly am not going to participate that right. in that. And I encourage people not to do that. Excellent. So let me tell you about my inspired Halloween costume. Oh, yeah. And I didn't tell you my Easter. So you tell me your Halloween story. I'll tell you my Easter story. Okay. One year we did at, when I worked at the big church, we did trunk or treat, which I think was started at Saddleback Church where the kids all come and you can trick or treat out of people's in the parking lot. And it's really fun. And it's turned into a big thing. And I think it's kind of cool. We wanted a video to promote it. So I put on a, on a bathrobe and I got a piece of foam core and I cut out a big letter C and I colored it red with a marker. And then I cut it in half and put one side of the letter C on one side of my robe and one letter, the other half of it on the other side. And I was Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. <laughs> and, then, and then I held up, instead of a staff, I had a sucker, a candy. And as I held up my hands over the parking lot, we stop action filmed all of the trunks popping open. That's cool. That was my big... So I'll tell you my Easter story. Yes, let's right? hear. Okay, because as I said, this whole notion that Easter was some pagan Celtic ritual right. that the church invented or glommed onto or whatever is ridiculous. And so for that reason, in the same way that we don't put ghosts or occultic things in our house right. for Halloween or on our pumpkins or whatever, we don't use the Easter bunny. Right. Right. Easter is the holiest day of the year, the Paschal celebration, the rising of Christ. I have nothing to do with Easter Bunny except the time I was the Easter Bunny. Yeah. So I was 16, 17 years old, living in Huntington Beach. Right. And I had a job at this really famous, I think it's still there. It's a big thing. This really famous mall right there in South Orange County called South Coast Plaza. It's real ritzy, a real, real upscale thing. And I had a part-time job at the mall. And the guys who ran the mall said, hey, we do like this thing, like Easter Bunny brunch, where people can bring their kids yep. and get their picture taken with Easter Bunny. And, and so we're looking for somebody to wear the Easter Bunny suit. And I was like 16 or 17. I was like, how much does it pay? Right. It's like, you make like $100. And this is like right. back in the olden days. So I was right. like, oh, yeah, I'm all in, right? Right. So I was the Easter Bunny. I put on the, the suit, you know, and it was like, you know, zip it all up in this giant head. And it was really kind of a crazy metaphor because like the head had this idiotic grin on it. Right. Like this giant idiotic grin. Right. And inside I'm sweating and miserable and hating right. an experience. Muttering but under the, your breath. Yeah, and but yeah. the idiotic grin is right. pasted on the fake head on side of me. 
me. And then all these little kids are like climbing up and, you know, right. pulling on my fake ears right, and doing right. all this stuff. And I'm like throwing candy to them going, I, this isn't even worth a hundred bucks or whatever. Right, right, right. Like as most miserable thing I ever did. It was one of the weirdest jobs I ever had, but... But, but yeah, I, I, I was the Easter Bunny. But since then, I have nothing to do with Easter Bunny. There are no Easter Bunnies, no Chocolate Bunnies, nothing like that in our house because the focus is on the rising of Christ. I, I was scarred for life because my mom, this, this was in a day when you, when I was a kid, that my mom would send me out, even as like a first grader, just out on my own to run out and trick-or-treat. It's on my own. On your own? Yeah. That's sad. Well, I was with my friends, and then and oh, then my okay. friend, no, no, my, you weren't just like the one lonely kid walking no, 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 up and down no, no, the block. No, 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 no. Okay, because like, every are, now and then you will see like this one lonely kid walking right. up and down the block. I'm no, like, oh, okay. And then my friends had to go in, and I said to my mom, "Can I hit the next block before I I have to be done?" And she said, "Sure, go around once." And uh, it was uh, a real humid, dewy, almost kind of rainy night. And when I got back, I, I loaded up. Oh my gosh, did I load up? And when I got home. My, I was so little that my bag had dragged on the grass and worn a hole in it because it was paper and all the candy was gone. And I was, you know, I was we're inconsolable. Just, that's it. Uh, I, I feel bad for you, right. Ed. You know, I think we're going to go over here and sit by the fire pit and, you know, kind of console. To this day, I can't pass the Snickers bar without Well, I know. You know. And, and so we're going to sit by the fire pit and, and you can you kind of <laughs> talk about it and we'll right. work through, you know, your, your PTSD right. about it. but. If only we had a uh, a donor, like a premium donor, to come and sit by the fire pit with us. Right. That we could have brought your And we could get gas station pizza. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, thanks, and we'll be talking to you all in our next episode. All right. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.